Hi, this is Janet Lansbury, and welcome to Unruffled. This week, I'm going to be responding to a question from a parent who has just experienced her toddler's first tantrum. And she tried to remain calm and respectful, but is wondering if she might have handled the situation differently. Before I begin, I want to remind everybody that both of my books, No Bad Kids and Elevating Child Care, are available on audio at audible.com and in paperback at Amazon and an ebook at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and apple.com. Also, episodes of my new audio series, Sessions, are available through my website. These are individual recordings of private consultations I've had with parents that agreed to be recorded. And we discuss their urgent parenting issues, um, everything from setting limits with aggressive toddlers to effective leadership, tantrums, and more. If you want to know more, go to my website, JanetLansbury.com, and at the top of the homepage, there's a button that says Sessions. Click that, and you can read complete descriptions of each episode. You can order individual episodes or, for a very, very special price, (laughs) order all of Volume 1. Here's the note I received on my Facebook page. Hi, Janet. My 13-month-old had his first meltdown tantrum yesterday. He wanted to open the freezer and take things out. I let him look and touch a couple of things, but told him we had to keep the door shut so the food can stay cold. I've been reading your posts and I spoke to him in a way which I thought was respectful and patient, letting him know I wasn't just shutting the door and would let him explore for a moment. I tried to acknowledge his feelings. Well, he didn't like it, and he started crying and arching his back. At this point, I took him to the living room, told him I was sorry he felt that way, and tried to explain why we could not keep the freezer door open, and I understood he was upset, but he couldn't play in the freezer anymore. His crying and screaming was a lot louder than the voice I was using to talk to him, so I feel that he didn't hear me. I also didn't want to compete for his attention. He was also arching his back and pushing away from me, so I put him on the carpet on the floor and allowed him to carry on there while rubbing his back and still trying to talk to him calmly. At this point, I feel like I froze and didn't know what to do anymore since he was crying over me trying to talk to him. Question is, since this was our first meltdown slash tantrum, how could I have handled it differently? Okay, well, first of all, welcome to toddlerhood. Tantrums and meltdowns are normal behavior. They make a lot of sense. Just they have so much going on internally at this age and this kind of push-pull of who am I and I want to assert myself more as my own person but uh, I really need this parent, these parents. It's a very tumultuous time of development and frustration happens easily. Children are easily set off at this age. And yes, the first couple of times it happens, it can seem like what happened to our dear sweet baby that didn't seem to have such intense reactions to things. But it is all okay, it is all developmentally appropriate and children do pass through this stage. What the studies also show is that really when children are in the eye of the storm of these situations, it's best not to do much except to keep them safe and allow them to express the feelings, allow them to pass through these storms. What can happen when we try to talk to our child is that our child gets another message. They might not even hear what we're saying, but they feel our uh, intention in talking to them. 
And if our intention is anything other than I want to help you facilitate sharing these feelings with me, and I'm, I'm here, I'm accepting your feelings, I'm allowing your feelings, I'm going to, you know, facilitate this happening. If there's any other kind of intention in us, then our child is likely to perceive it, and that will make it harder for them to let these feelings flow as they need to. So while I do recommend what a lot of parenting advisors and experts recommend, acknowledging feelings, we have to be very careful in the way that we do that. Because acknowledging feelings, if we're doing this to get our children to feel better more quickly, which I think if some of us are more honest with ourselves in those moments, that might be part of our intention, if not all of our intention. If that is in the mix, then our child is going to know that. And our child is going to feel like we are putting blocks up. We're, we're trying to dam up these feelings from happening. So let's just go over this situation that this parent describes. He wanted to open the freezer and take things out. Okay, so this is a normal thing. Children are curious about everything at this age. They're these amazing, amazing learners. And they want to explore their environments and test everything out. So he opens the freezer and he wants to take things out. And she let him look and touch a couple of things, but then told him we had to, she had to keep the door shut so the food can stay cold. That all sounds wonderful. That's exactly what I would do. I might also consider not giving my child access, free access to the kitchen, having a gate around the kitchen or what I call a yes space for children to play, which is a gated off room or section of a room that's enclosed where we can go do something in the kitchen and not have to worry about our child being safe. And our child can, in that environment, be free to explore without us interrupting, saying, no, you can't do this and I need to stop you from doing that. And what this does is provides a very comfortable, relatively peaceful environment for both of us. We can be with our child in his space and be able to enjoy not having to interrupt and stop him from everything he's doing and worry about that he's going to get into something or be unsafe. We keep this room or this section of a room entirely safe so that there are no no's. That's why I call it a yes space. We don't have to say no, 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 don't do this, don't do that. Uh, that encourages our child's curiosity and exploration and also brings peace to us, both while we're in the space with our child, enjoying their activities, not worrying, and also when we do have to leave our child there and focus on something else for a couple of minutes, we can know that our child is completely safe. Our child might not always be thrilled to be there every moment, but we can finish up what we're doing on the stove and check on our child, knowing that they are not going to be, you know, under our feet and having something, God forbid, spilled on them or, you know, somehow get hurt in the kitchen because we're not able to supervise them. So that would be something I would strongly consider doing. The easiest way to do it is to do it uh, much earlier when a child is not even mobile yet. And then this gate is just established as part of their environment and they don't question it and they don't feel blocked off from anything. If we establish it later, then we just have to deal with knowing that our child may say, hey, you know, why are you stopping me from getting out of this room? <laughs> I'm not so crazy about that idea. And we have to be very confident and say, I know you don't like this idea. This is what's good for our family. I got to keep you safe and I'm going to do this. But it's okay if you want to tell me you're not happy with this. I want to hear that. I want to know everything you're feeling. And I'm okay with you disagreeing with me. 
So then she says she uh, was respectful and patient, which is good. I mean, patient, but not waiting for our child to completely stop on their own, because a lot of times that's not going to be able to happen. They're not going to be able to stop without us being the ones to do it. So respectful, patient, but also, you know, feeling ourselves and our, the amount of time that we want to let them explore. And it's okay if that's a very short time that we're not comfortable with letting them, you know, take everything out and now we have to put everything back or touch everything and let the freezer stay open and everything melts. Um, we can have a time limit on that for ourselves. And then being honest and saying, you know, yeah, actually now I'm going to shut the door. So she said, I tried to acknowledge his feelings and that would be good. I would say, wow, yeah, that's really interesting in there. That's cool. You wanted to touch those things. And now I have to close the door. And uh, I know, oh, shoot, you really wanted to do that. So being okay with him saying, hey, I don't want you to shut the door on me. I mean, why would he want that? And now he's also saying something very healthy here. He's saying, this is my will. This is what I want to do. And, you know, and you're not letting me do what I want to do. And this is part of him being more of a separate, independent person, you know, in this small toddler way. So it's all good. It's all positive. This is a very positive interaction if we can approach it that way and believe that. So she says, well, he didn't like it and he started crying and arching his back. So he's having a strong reaction to this. He's melting down about this. This has just set him off. Probably there's other feelings being expressed here. That's usually the case. You know, all the frustrations of toddlerhood are being released through this one action. It's probably not just about the stuff in the freezer. That set him off. So trusting that, trusting what seem to be such overreactions to things. So then she says, he was arching his back. At this point, I took him to the living room and told him I was sorry he felt that way. So now she's getting into a little bit, a little bit of saying too much rather than really giving him the message, yeah, you have a right to get really upset about this. That's okay. You're allowed to feel this way. And I'm okay with that. So instead of giving him that message, she's a little bit trying to kind of talk him down, I feel like. She told him I was sorry he felt that way, tried to explain why he could not keep the freezer door open. So she's going to kind of a reasonable explanation, you know, well, see, you can't because, you know, and it's, it's really, it's gone way beyond reason at this point. It's a fruitless pursuit trying to explain so that he doesn't feel what he's feeling anymore. What he's saying is, I just need to feel what I'm feeling. You know, just let me feel like this. Don't try to talk me out of it in the nicest possible way. Don't try to talk me out of it. So that's kind of the path she starts down there because, you know, like all of us, it's really hard to trust your child just being upset and having that be okay. I would recommend if she was going to do this differently, that she really trusts, she takes him to a safe place, she lets him march his back. If he's not safe in her arms, then definitely place him down, you know, where he's in a safe place, and then really just be there. Let your shoulders drop, breathe, relax, trust. This is okay. He's in the storm. It will pass. And this is going to be a positive experience for him, knowing that it's okay, you can fall apart and I'm there and I'm not going to try to stop you when you need to do this. I'm going to trust it. And it's okay to go to these places in yourself 
you're going to be all right. And the way to, to tell him that is not to tell him that, is to show him that by not trying to do anything about it, just really allowing it to be. So then she says that she told him I was sorry he felt this way and tried to explain why he could not keep the freezer door open. Again, I wouldn't do that again. I mean, that one explanation in the beginning was perfect, simple, short, and then let him have the feeling. And now from there, we're not going to keep explaining our side of things. We're really going to trust him to share his side. And now she says, I understood he was upset, but he couldn't play in the freezer anymore. So one of the reasons I chose this note to respond to in a podcast is that I've been hearing this a lot lately uh, with parents saying, I understand you're upset. And I understand that that means the parent is following the advice that I give and many people give to acknowledge the feelings, which is wonderful. But that's not really the way that you do that. Saying, I understand you feel a certain way is not the same as saying, wow, I understand. I understand you feel about so-and-so, or I understand you're upset. It's very distancing. Like using understand, I understand in that context is distancing. It's not connecting. It's saying intellectually, I definitely understand that you're upset. And now I've said that, and you can stop being upset. I mean, I think a lot of the times that's what we want to come of that if we're, if we're honest uh, with ourselves. But to a child that feels like we're blowing off their feelings, you know, it feels like we're saying, okay, I get you, so now you can stop. Again, that feels invalidating to a child. It, it feels like we're trying to put the dam up for them and we're not okay with them having this feeling, which means that they can't feel safe with it either. So I've got a beef with this <laughs> I understand thing. And I think it works much better to say, wow, you're really upset and look in his eyes and be able to be with him in that. Not that you're going to be upset too, but be able to really receive that and not try to talk around it and not trying to analyze it and uh, explain it or, or anything. Just really be in the moment with him. This is what connecting when correcting means or should mean. I don't know if everybody means it this way, but this is what connecting really is. It's being able to look in their eyes and see that they're not happy with your choice and really allowing that to be okay. So it's, it's not about words very much, but if we are going to say something like, I understand, it's got to be looking in their eyes and nodding our head and, oh, yeah. I understand it's so disappointing when I say no to you like that, really meaning it. So then she says his crying and screaming was a lot louder than the voice I was using to talk to him. Yes, so that's a good sign that she shouldn't be talking to him there. Just, just nodding her head, just relaxing, just accepting, letting it flow. And then she says she didn't want to compete for his attention, right? You know, don't battle it, don't fight it, just let it be. He was arching his back and pushing away from me, so I put him on the carpet on the floor and allowed him to carry on there while rubbing his back. So let him carry on. I don't know about the rubbing his back. Like, you know, I would really try to tune in and just be available. And children will give you a sign of when they want closeness, that they want touch, or they want to, you know, physically connect. And it's usually after they're coming out of the storm and they're 
calming down and they're breathing and then they kind of want to connect or, you know, snuggle or something like that, possibly. But I really believe in trusting them and not pushing it, not saying, oh, do you want a hug now or anything? I I think, well, I know that children, studies show that children, they feel our presence. We don't need to keep reminding them I'm here and, you know, I want to hug you and all of those things. They, they feel our energy. They feel our presence. If we have this loving, accepting, trusting presence, that's the best place that we can be with them. And then they will feel ready to come to us or let us know that they want us to come to them when they're not in the eye of that storm. So that's what I would do differently. She says, at this point, I feel like I froze and didn't know what to do anymore since he was crying over me trying to talk to him. Yeah, don't try to do anything with it. Just let it, let it happen. So how could I have handled it differently? I hope that what I've said helps you see how to really relax more and handle it in a more passive way, really. We don't have to do anything. In fact, it's better if we don't to even let children know that we're there. (laughs) Children will know we're there if we're there. And they'll know that we're there in a loving, accepting way if that's the truth. It's not something that we have to say to them. Uh, I hope that helps. I've talked a lot about children and their feelings in my podcasts, uh, so please check some of them out. They are on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. And again, both of my books, No Bad Kids, Toddler Discipline Without Shame. It's available on audio. For people that like to listen, uh, it's at audible.com and also in paperback at Amazon and ebook at Amazon, Barnes and Noble and apple.com. And Elevating Child Care is my other book available all those same places. And sessions, individual recordings of private consultations where we get to hear the back and forth between me and the parents. And uh, I get more information from them and it's easier for me to to explore the details of their issues with them. You can check those out by going to my website and clicking the button that says sessions on the top toolbar. And again, thanks for listening. We can do this.